Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. I need to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 4. The book of Hebrews and chapter number 4. We've been marching through this book of Hebrews and we've already been digging in deep in some places. And by the way, on Sunday we're going to really be digging in deep on su Sunday afternoon and some things to look forward to. But today we're taking a pit stop. And may I say that sometimes it is the simplest messages that we need the most. Amen. Sometimes it's the, the, the deeper messages we hear and it sounds good, but they don't do us a lot of good because they feel like they're far out there. But if you have something simple, something you could grasp, something you get your hand on, you know, sometimes those do us the best good. Because it's simple. And I'm thankful that God's word is simple. And so with that in mind, take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter number four. The book of Hebrews chapter number four. And notice with me in verse number 12. The book of Hebrews chapter four. And in verse number 12, the Bible says this. For the word of God is quick. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach to you from here. Where it talks about the word of God is quick and powerful. We're going to preach a message quite simply titled, The Power of God's Word. The Power of God's Word. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. A God who is worthy to be worshipped, worthy to be served. A God who cares for us so very much. And Lord, you know my heart, you know my struggle this week. Sometimes I feel like a simple message like this is just too simple. That sometimes I feel like our folks may have just heard it once too many times. But Lord, and then I'm reminded that you make no mistake. This is next up. This is what you would have us to hear. I don't believe there's any accidents. So you brought these folks in here tonight to hear this message and I'm praying that every single one of them would have the ears to hear. Lord, the temptation for even some of our church folks who have heard this message before is to almost tune out and say, I know this. But Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to assume we know nothing. To say, Lord, I'm a blank slate. You teach me tonight. Lord, I give you permission to teach me. And that we would, with fresh eyes, with new eyes... Hear a message again that we may need. Lord, I'm also conscious that there are several folks in here, many folks in here who have never heard this message before. And Lord, I'm asking that it would be simple enough that they could hear, simple enough that they could understand, and simple enough that they could apply it. 
And that all of us would grow stronger in our love and our reading, our memorizing, our having, our proficiency of the Word of God. Thank you again for providing it for us. Help us to realize the power of your Word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I need you. In your name we pray. Amen. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 4 and verse number 12, is a required memory verse. If you've never memorized this verse, let me tell you, you need to have this verse down. This is one of the key passages about the Word of God in the Word of God. We understand that the Bible here is talking about an offensive weapon. And may I remind you that inside of the armor of God that is mentioned The only offensive weapon we have is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And so because it is our only offensive weapon within the armor of God, this makes it much more important. And yes, I know that when we start talking about reading the Word of God, that there are some people who just check out. Some people say it's not for me. It sounds boring. Let me tell you, you are the very person that this message is intended for. This is what every one of us need. And you, no matter what skill level you are in the Word of God, you need this message tonight. And I'll show that to you in just a moment. So if you don't mind, let's examine the power that we have in God's Word. The very first thing I'd like to show to you from this passage is that it is quick. That it is a quick. The Bible says, for the word of God is quick. The word quick carries the idea of alive. May I tell you that the Bible that we have is alive? It is alive. You say, how, how does that work? Well, we know that the, when God created Adam from the dust of the earth, and he breathed into Adam the breath of life, Adam became a living soul because God breathed in it. Remember? Well, the Bible says that all scripture is inspired. The word inspired is the word theopneusis. Not that I care for you to write it down. But that word carries the same idea. God breathed. The same breath that God breathed into Adam to make him a living soul. God breathed into this book. This is a living book. What do I mean by that? Well, we all have shows. We all have movies. We all have books that we have read. And you could almost quote, almost like a sing-along. Your favorite movie, you turn it back on and you could repeat every line. You're repeating it with the, the mouth. You could just turn down the volume and repeat all the words. Or you have that favorite book that you almost had memorized, but you read it again because it's fun. And you've squeezed every bit of thing that you can out of it. Every Easter egg, everything you've squeezed out of it. Well, let me tell you, you cannot do that with the Word of God. You can read it over and over and over and over and still find something you've never seen before. If you could forgive the personal illustration, but many of you understand that I love the Word of God. And that I have the ability, God's granted, to be able to teach the Word of God. And without a doubt, I have read the Bible from cover to cover 
over 50 times. And that's not counting studying. That's not counting teaching. That's not counting uh, doing the chronological Bible. Just for my own personal Bible reading, I've read it from cover to cover over 50 times. And still, I find things I have never seen before. Why? Because it's a living book. What do I mean by it's a living book? Well, God knows what we're going through. He knows what we're going to face. And this book is able to tell you and prepare you for what you're about to face. This is why the greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to read the word of God for yourself. You could read the Bible and preparing to go to work. And God tells you something from God's word to give you a warning. Maybe it's something like you better check your temper. You better make sure that you're control. And that reminder is going to help you because later on you're going to have a co-worker who's going to do something stupid. And normally you just let him give you a piece of your mind. But because God gave you a warning, you were prepared for it. And you dealt with him properly. Because God's word gave you the preparation. It could be that there was something in your life that you didn't realize was missing. Maybe you were doing something and God told you about it in your Bible reading and he changed your mind. He changed your heart. Maybe you were looking for an answer. And by the way, when you're looking for answers, don't go in the Bible to find answers. You go to the Bible and look for God. You read your Bible like normal and God will give you the answers. Because we could all find an answer if we wanted to. All right, God, I'm looking for a yes. So the first time I come to a yes, that means yes. Don't do that. You go read your Bible naturally, and God knows what is up next. By the way, this is why I preach the way I do. I preach in series, because it's next up. And God knows when we need it at the time we need it. He knows every day when you read your Bible what you need. It is a living book. He can give you something that you need for the time that you need it. Whether it's food, whether it's substance, whether it's answers, whether it's prevention. It is a living book. God can use it because it's alive to give you what you need in the time that you need it. The Bible says, and the word of God is quick. It's alive. But something else it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. The second thing here is that it is powerful. The word of God is powerful. The word powerful used here comes from the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. So, it, we're using it to explain what kind of powerful do we have. It's explosive power. It could blow something up. The word of God is powerful. The Bible talks about in the book of Jeremiah. The word of God is like a hammer. It could break through the hardest heart. The Bible talks about in the book of Jeremiah. That it's like a fire. It could burn within you. Oh, the word of God is powerful. It is explosive power. You, sometimes all you need to do is give someone the word of God. I heard of a preacher once who had, um, once he had gotten saved, he started to preach out a little bit and he came back to his hometown and he had uh, looked up a friend of his who he had been in the military with. And he sat down with his friend and they were comparing up life stories and now the preacher, he was saved, but his friend wasn't and he was listening to how his friend's life came out. 
Well, the preacher wanted to see his friends saved, so he began to witness to him and start to explain things in the Bible. But his friend kept giving objection and objection and objection and objection. Finally, the preacher just started saying, you know, I don't know about that, but I do know that 1 John 5.12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, the guy said, well, what about this? Well, I don't know about that, but I do know that 1 John 5.12 says that he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Well, what about this? Well, he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath... He says, all you're going to say for the rest of the night is he that hath the Son hath life, and he hath not... He says, pretty much. He says, then that's all we have to have. And he said, okay. And he left. He was brokenhearted over his friend, but the next morning he was preaching in a church, and he was surprised to see in the middle of the service his friend come in. And he brought his wife, and his wife was wearing like eight-inch stiletto heels, and so they sat down, and the preacher preached a message, and at the end of the message, he gave the invitation, invited people to come up and respond, and the guy got up and started walking forward. He's trying to drag his wife, and his wife's trying to balance on the eight-inch stiletto heels, and finally he let loose of her, and he just rushed up the, uh, to the pulpit. The um, preacher said, uh-oh, I've got it now, because the guy bypassed the pastor, and he bypassed the altar, and came straight up to the pulpit. And the guy says, oh no, he's going to slug me in front of everyone. And he comes up to the preacher and says, I get it. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. And they bowed down behind the pulpit and that man got saved. What did that? The power of God's word. When there was no other answer to give, he gave the word of God. And when there was no other answer that the man would receive, he gave them the word of God. The word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It's explosive. This is why we tell our soul winners, if nothing else, give them a track. Put it in their hands some way. You know what you're doing? You're tossing in grenades. It's explosive power. This has enough power in this little track with enough word of God's to do some damage. To get a hold of someone. The word of God is what people need. By the way, the word of God is powerful and I don't need to add to it. God never promised to bless my preaching, but he did promise to bless his word. And so the more of the word of God that's in it, the more we can expect God to use it. It is God's word that does the work. The Bible gives a promise in Isaiah 55 that his word would not return void. That's part of the power of God. God made a promise that his word will not return again void. It's not going to come again empty. It will get accomplished what God wants to get accomplished. You never know what it will happen with it. God could use his word. It is powerful. It is enough. Notice something else about the word of God here as it describes it. It says, the, for the word of God is quick. The word of God, it's powerful. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice this. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, one of the sharpest swords in all the world would be the Japanese katana. And the way that they made this sword is they would have 
make this sword, the blacksmith would make it with a thousand folds. So they would take the metal, they would press it down, then they would fold it over again, and they would press it down, and they would fold it over again, and they would fold it. And what would happen? It would make the katana very flexible, where it would have a little bit of bend, but it would not break. It also made it so it was so strong and then they would sharpen it. Now, whenever the blacksmith, the, the swords master, would make a sword, it would have to pass a couple of tests. The first test would be the silk test. So what they would do is they would take a piece of silk, and you know how fine silk is. And they would take the blade and put it blade up, and they would drop the piece of silk over the blade. And the sword would be so sharp that as it fell on the blade, the... the um, the piece of cloth would just automatically cut just by touching the blade. And if they picked up the piece of cloth and there was any frayed edges, if it wasn't straight, it wasn't sharp enough, you'd have to go do it again. But then after that, the next test would be the Simrai test. Now the Simrai had power over life and death over the peasants. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what they had. And so oftentimes when they would get done with their sword, they wanted to test it out. And so they could say, peasant, 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 come here. And they would line up five peasants in a row. They would line them up heel to toe, and they would have to stand there. Then what would happen is they would take the sword, and they would swing it through to see how many bodies it could go through. It could go through three without getting caught. It was a pretty good sword. Four would be, legendary, uh, four would be uh, a great one. If it went through all five, it would be a legendary sword. Just That's how sharp it would. It could go through all of these with one swing and go through bone and tissue cleanly. Now that's a sharp sword, isn't it? But you know what the Bible says? It says, for the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice what it says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is so sharp and it could be used so much of an instrument that it could divide between the soul and the spirit. Now, we could barely define the soul of the spirit, much less find the break between it to find out where the soul begins and the spirit stops. But the Bible is so sharp that it can go in between the soul and the spirit. It's that sharp of an instrument. Notice as it gives a physical example. And of the joints and marrows. Meaning it pierced between the joints and the marrows. Now we know that you would have a bone. And inside of the bone you would have the marrow. The marrow of the bone. The Bible is so sharp as a physical illustration it could actually go in between the marrow and the bone. That's how sharp the sword is. It's giving this thick, uh, figurative language to try to get across to you how sharp it is. Now, by the way, what do you do with a sword? You fight with it. A sword is not meant to be put over your mantle and people go, ooh, that looks good. In the ancient world, why were swords made? To be used. Why was the word of God made? To be used. Not to sit in your mantle. Not to sit in the back of your car when you come out of church and throw it in the back of your car so that way you know where it is next time you show up to church. God gave us the word of God to use it. And by the way, it is a sharp instrument 
It could do some damage to yourself if you don't know how to use it well. We'll get to that in just a second. But the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. This is a weapon. This is our only offensive weapon within the army of, uh, armor of God to fight the spiritual battles we're in. We need to know about the Word of God. Notice something else about the Word of God. The Word of God is quick. It's alive. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. But notice this. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, the word discernment means far-seeing. It's not seeing where someone is currently at. It is seeing where they are going, where they're ending up. For example, if I had two people lining up at the same place, one is going straight, the other one's going at an angle. At the very beginning, they look like they're at the same spot, right? But over time, there's going to be more and more of a difference. Discernment doesn't just see where we're at. Because if you look just where we're at, we look like we're at the same place. Discernment says where you're going. After a time, discernment's going to say you are going the wrong direction. You're getting further and further away. Does that make sense? The Bible can discern. What does it discern? The thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what that means? The Bible not only knows what you're thinking, it knows why you're thinking it. It knows where your thinking is leading you. The Bible describes it in a different place. that The word of God is a mirror. Now you guys know what a mirror is. Something gives you a reflection, right? We've all been to the Funhouse Carnival mirrors. You go to the first one and it makes you look uh, really skinny. You go to this one and it makes you really fat. Then you go to this one and it makes you look all wavy. And you go back to the first one and want to stay here, right? The Bible is not a Funhouse mirror. It gives us an exact reflection of who we truly are. With all your blemishes, with all of your flaws, they are seen clearly. By the way, this is why people hate reading the Bible. Not because they necessarily hate the Bible, they hate the reflection. And they get tired of looking at the reflection. So therefore, if I don't read the Bible, I don't get to see how I look. By the way, it's important to see how you look. If you've got green in your teeth because you were eating spinach, don't you want someone to point it out before you go out to public? It's good to be pointed out that there's something that needs to... If you have like a big grease spot in your forehead, you don't want to show up and see everyone and say hi and just leave that grease spot. You want someone to point it out that there's something that needs to be taken care of. The Word of God is good for that, but the problem is people don't like the reflection, so they just break the mirror. They throw away the mirror. Instead of fix what needs to be fixed. Does that make sense? But the Bible can give us an accurate picture. And not only an accurate picture. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. You understand psychology today says. We learn about man by studying man. You know what the Bible says? We learn about men by studying God. As you study God, you learn more about man than you ever could about studying man. Because the Bible gives us why we think this way. Why we respond this way. Why do we think this way? 
Well, the Bible has an answer. The Bible can discern and can tell you, why do you think this way? Why do you think this thoughts? Why do you respond this way? Even as a preacher, I can take the Bible and predict how you're going to respond because the Bible gives the indication for that. But the Bible is a discerner. The Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is powerful. Now, as we said before, this is our only offensive weapon. So because the Bible is pictured as a sword, we have to learn how to hold our sword properly, right? You don't want to grab some some young teenager and just give him a sword and say, go have fun with this. He's going to shoot his eye out. He's going to chop off an ear. He's going to hurt something or someone, right? So you have to learn how to hold it. There's a proper way to, you know, there's a proper way to hold a sword and there's an improper way of holding the sword. Proper way of standing, a proper way of shifting your weight, of swinging the sword and using the power of your legs, not your arms to bring the swing. There's a lot to it. So let's learn today how do we hold our weapon? How do we hold our weapon? So with that, I want you to take your Bible. Hold it up in the air so I know you got one. Everyone needs to participate. All right? So everyone have their Bible. This is your sword. So let's learn how to properly hold the sword. What I want you to do is I want you to take your sword and just put it in the palm of your hand. Balance it in the palm of your hand. Don't wrap any fingers around it. Just hold it in the palm of your hand. All right? Now, if all we did was hear the Word of God... I want you to put your pinky around it. If all you heard was the word, heard the word of God, meaning you showed up and you listened to preaching, you showed up on Sunday, you showed up on a Wednesday, and that's all you did, you didn't do anything with the word of God for the rest of the week, this is only a good grip that you have on your sword. Now, if you had a sharp sword that could cut limbs off with just a touch, do you think that's a safe way to hold your sword? Would you like to get in a fight holding the sword this way with someone who knew what they were doing? Absolutely not. This is a dangerous way to hold your sword. So if all you did was listen to the word of God, this is as good a grip that you have. That's it. It's not a good grip at all. Let me tell you, you, if all you hear is the word of God and you don't read, you don't study, you do not have a good grip on your weapon. And you cannot win spiritual wars if you don't know how to hold your weapon. Well, let's add to it. Let's add the ring finger. So let's say that you listen to the Word of God, and then you read the Word of God. You get in the habit of reading the Bible for yourself. You got a little bit better grip, but I wouldn't want to go in a fight with that grip, right? That's not a good grip at all. You don't want to fight someone who knows what they're doing with that type of grit. You're, you're still going to hurt yourself. So in order to do that, we have to add to it. So we start off with hearing, then we read. Next time we go is study. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved, a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to study. Now, by the way, your Bible reading should not be your study time. This is where preachers make mistakes. I yell at preachers for this too. I'm trying to help them. Your Bible reading is different than your study time. Make them separate. You should have a time where you read your Bible in an organized fashion from cover to cover, some way, somehow. Then later you study your Bible. You start researching more words or anything that comes up. Have a piece of paper when you're reading it, but then study later. But then you study the word of God. Study to show thyself approved. That's a bit better grip, but that's still not 
to master your sword. All right, let's add to it. So we have hearing, we have reading, we have studying. Next thing we have is memorize. Memorize. Now that's a little bit better grip. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The more of the Bible that you can have in your heart, the less you'll sin against God. You know how that works? Right when you're ready to sin, and by the time we like sin, that's why we sin. Right when you're ready to sin, right when you're ready to bomb blast someone, God will put a memory verse that you memorized in your mind and you go, oops. That's good. That helps you. When you're getting ready to blast someone for doing something stupid, God will bring something about about forgiveness. I need to forgive them. God forgave me. Right ready when you're fixing to tell a little white lie to get out of trouble, God will bring something to your mind. Oops, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell the truth. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. We must memorize scripture. And if you're not memorizing scripture, you are a weak Christian. I'm not being mean. I'm being honest. You are a weak Christian. And you're weak spiritually and you're going to lose spiritual fights in your own life. But you still got another finger. We have to add this, the thumb. Now when you do that, you have a better grip. What is this thumb? It is to meditate. To meditate. The word meditate means to chew the cud. Kind of like a cow does. A cow will chew some grass, then it will swallow it, and after a while, it bring it back up and start chewing on it some more. Then it will swallow it, and then it will bring it back up and chew it some more. This is meditate. What does it mean to meditate? It means to think on these things. So you read something in the Bible, and then you have a little bit of break for thinking. Maybe you're doing something that doesn't require thinking. Why not bring the Word of God up again? And think it through. Think about the love of God. To think about what God has done for you. To think about the promises of God. To think about the Bible story you just read. Your brain is occupied with all kinds of junk anyways. Half the time we're still thinking about what we watched on TV the last several nights. Half the time we're thinking about some thing in the future that may not even come to pass. Our mind is occupied with so much junk. Why not use that brain power to think about God's word, to bring it up again, to have something that you're meditating on? There's wonderful truths that will come to light if you think on it some more. Think upon these things, the Bible says. So when you do those things, you hear the word of God, you read the word of God, you study the word of God, you memorize the word of God, then you meditate the word of God, then finally you have a good grip on your sword. Now, that's just teaching you how to use, hold your sword. We're not even talking about using it yet. You understand? I was in the military. And in basic training, we have a class of the to shoot the M16. It's a machine gun that we have in the military. And the thing that they do not do is, hey, welcome to the class. Here's an M16. Good luck with it. They're liable to have lots of people shot that away. Before we even have a weapon in our hands, we're taught to use the weapon. And then we practice with the weapon. You have to clean the weapon, break it apart, put it together. You have to learn how to put the magazine in, how to put it together, how to aim through the sights, how to make sure that the sights line up. You have to know all the stuff for your weapon. 
But you know, the very first people, let's have, you got an 18-year-old, fresh out of high school. He's lived in the city all of his life. He shows up. He's never shot a gun in his life. And he holds the gun. He is going to be what we call unfamiliar with it, right? Most of them hold it and go, I've never held this before. And it doesn't feel right to them. I mean, how do I hold this? Do I... You know, it's like watching one of those videos with someone shooting a gun and instead of putting the butt of the gun here, they put it up at their eye. That's how you lose an eye. It's how you break your face. All right. So people like, how do I hold this? Do I, you know, <coughs> do I do it gangster style? Do I hold it sideways? Don't even hand, hold a handgun that away. You'll get one of these shells to shoot you in the eye when it ejects, by the way. But, you know, people don't know how to hold guns. They're unfamiliar with it. If I gave you a sharp katana sword, half of you would go, how do I hold this? And trying to feel the balance of it. You're unfamiliar with it. After a while of spending time with your weapon, then you go from unfamiliar to familiar. You start to get a little bit used to it. You have a little bit of idea of how it weighs and what it feels like. But with more training, you move from unfamiliar to familiar. Then you get to familiar to proficient. That means you could use it fairly good. You know how to shoot it in the same direction. You could at least get the shots off without hitting someone that you're not supposed to. With more training, you start to get advanced. So you start to become the person that people want on your side because you're actually going to hit your target more often than not. That's who you want. If you're in the military, you want a guy who knows how to shoot and who's going to hit the target, right? That doesn't come by first day, by luck. It comes with training. You spend more and more time with it. After a time, you go from advanced to expert. You have to cert shoot a certain amount of accuracy in order to be expert. Then after a while, you go from expert to mastery. You know, this same thing is pictured in the word of God, that we are to strive for the masteries, to master the word of God. You do not master the word of God because you showed up to Sunday school all of your life. Amen. May I tell you that even preaching on a Wednesday night is still baby food? Even the way that I preach, this is baby food. If this is all the word of God that you know, you know very, very little. We can't give you all the mastery stuff inside of a church service. That would destroy half of the people. They wouldn't know what to do with it. They would choke on it. So you have to learn how to master it. You have to get trained on it. You have to get familiar with it. You have to get used to using it. For someone who, who is a master swordsman, do they become a master swordsman after a week? A lifetime of practicing every day. Every day. Working with it. Spending time with it. Being with it. Learning it. Understanding it. Diving in it. Memorizing. You understand? You have to learn. Because this is our only offensive weapon. And inside of a spiritual warfare, may I say most Christians are useless to dangerous. There is a saying that they know enough word of God to hurt people. And hurt themselves. 
A little bit of knowledge hurts quite a bit. Because if you don't use your sword wisely, you could hurt people quite a bit. If you could forgive the personal illustration, by the way, this is a normal phase in Christian growth of pride. Oh, I know some Bible. Oh, this is great. And you become one of the most dangerous people in all of the church because you hurt people. Because your knowledge is not mastered and it's not tempered and you just start cutting away. It's like using a sword when you're supposed to be using a scalpel. Instead of having the fine surgery, you're just locked. Oh, you got a little hangnail? Let's cut off the whole hand. People use the word of God in that way. Let me give a personal illustration and something that broke my heart because I did it. I had read in the word of God, James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whosoever shall be the friend, uh, friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's a powerful phrase. To become the enemy of God just by being a friend of the world? Well, I had a young lady who claimed to be a Christian, but was not going to church, and she was involved with other activities. And I said, I got the, I got the word of God. The word of God will fix her. I got this. She, I had in my mind that I was going to give her this verse. And she would immediately repent and look to the heavens and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. And immediately get her life straight and, and be in church and stop doing some of the other things. That's what I imagined. The word of God's going to fix her. <laughs> All right. And so I said, I got to set this up right. So I went to her and said, if someone was the enemy of God, how would you approach them? How would you tell them that? She goes, well, I would just tell them straight out. Okay, because you said so. You're the enemy of God. You know that hurt her. Do you know that she still hasn't talked to me? And instead of going back to church, she now hates Christians. Why? Because I used the word of God unwisely and I hurt someone with it. Because I did not know how to use the word of God properly. Does that make sense? We have to learn to work with our sword. Strive for the masteries, to know this word of God, to understand how do we use the word of God. Just because you know a verse doesn't make you the master of it. Do how familiar? If you were to rate this scale, here's the scale: unfamiliar, familiar, proficient, advanced, expert, and master. I want you to be realistic. Just between you and the Lord, realistically, where are you at? May I also tell you, I'm ashamed of how little knowledge of the Bible I have. I'm ashamed of how little of the Bible. I've been saved for 30-something years, 35 years. I should know a lot more of the Bible than I do. And I should know how to use the Bible a lot better than I do. I think about that all the time. Thankfully now that motivates me to study the Bible more. And to know it more. And to spend time with it more. You understand even to preach. Isn't like well what passage am I opening up today? Study to show thyself approved. 
striving for the masteries, rightly dividing the word of truth. Even just to study takes time to dig in the word to make sure that I'm going to teach it right and to spend time right, that I'm using it properly. That just doesn't happen just because you open it up and say, I wonder what I'm preaching today. Strive for the masteries. Now I'm trying to help you here. Because you need to be moving forward. You need to be advancing in your Bible. You need to be knowing more and more about the Word of God. Let's play a different scenario. Let's say that you crashed on a deserted island. You and a bunch of other people. Do you have enough Bible up here to help people grow in Christ with what Bible knowledge you have? Could you teach people the Word of God not having the Word of God? Do you have enough Bible memorized? Do you have enough Bible in here? Do you know enough of the Bible? I mean, sure, everyone could tell them John 3, 16. You may have a couple stories, but is that enough to help people grow for a while with what knowledge of the Bible you have that you can explain it and teach it and use it properly and help them move forward? How much Bible do you know? How much Bible do you have in here? How much Bible do you have in here? This is our only offensive weapon. Do you think Satan is going to wait till you go get your Bible to go fight you? He's going to catch you when you're not ready. When you don't have a Bible ready. Someone's going to come up to you at work with a Bible question. uh, And they need to know it right now or they're going to make a decision that's wrong. Do you have enough? You understand we're in a spiritual war and this isn't something we take lightly. Again, the average Christian doesn't even bother bringing their Bible to church. Now here we try to bring a culture. You need to bring your Bible to church. But if they don't bring their Bible to church, when are they going to use their Bible? When are they going to have their Bible? This is where we train, by the way. I want you to open up your copy of the Word of God. I want you to see for yourself. Why do I even have you underline? If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark this. Why? Because that phrase is important. That gives you the hint of the whole passage. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to train you. I'm trying to get it so when you read the Bible, you see that phrase and you go, I have a good idea what this passage is speaking about now. I'm helping you. I'm training you. Because I want you to be effective out there. Statistics tell us that the average preacher today knows as much Bible as the average church person did 30 years ago. That means the average church person 30 years ago knows just as much as the average pastor does today. That means the Bible knowledge that we have collectively is going down and down and down. Internet's made it worse. I hate the internet. Because it gives you water. You know, like definitions. We like synonymous words. All right, so what's the definition of skip? Well, it's kind of running in a dance. You know, you want short little definitions. You want something synonymous. And we miss out on the power of it. Because someone summarized it in such a cotton candy, fluffy way. And we miss the power of it. We miss what God is trying to get across. You understand? You need to be in the Bible for yourself. Studying the word of God yourself. I'm trying to help you out here. Because we're losing. God wins the war. We're losing the battle. 
We don't have power. We wonder why when we try to talk to people, they just ignore us. Because there's no power. Where does the power come from, by the way? God's word. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm trying to help you. The greatest thing you could do on a daily basis is to read the word of God for yourself. And by the way, if you're not learning to hold your Bible correctly, then you are still unfamiliar with your Bible. You can't advance forward until you first learn how to hold it. How do you hold it, by the way? Hear the word of God. Read the word of God. Study the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Then meditate on the word of God. It is only after you learn how to hold the Bible properly can you start to get familiar, proficient, um, advanced, expert, and stuff. Someone who comes up to me and says, I've never read my Bible all the way through, but let me tell you what the Bible says. They're foolish. They don't know how to use their sword and they're going to hurt someone. They may have some Bible knowledge, but they don't know how to use that sword and they're going to stab themselves. They're going to hurt someone else with it. I'm trying to help you now. You need to be in the word of God. This is our only offensive weapon in the fight. And most people are not equipped to win the battle. We're not equipped to fight the battle. We do more damage than the enemy does because we keep swinging our swords and hitting other people and hitting ourselves. How is your level of training on the word of God? Where are you at now? If you go back and be realistically, do you even know how to use your, hold your Bible correctly? Do you know how to use your sword correctly? If you don't, then you're still unfamiliar. Only after you know how to hold your sword and you are doing it consistently and training with it, then you start to advance on these other levels. How much of the word of God do you have for yourself? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.